Welcome to the podcast arm of the redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing his purpose, pronouncing his power, and proclaiming his praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. We believe in the Son of the Living God. Jesus, the Son of the Living God, who paid the ultimate price on the cross of Calvary for my redemption and your redemption and for our total freedom. So we confess with our mouth that we believe. And according to that which we believe, so shall it be unto us tonight in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Everlasting Father, we thank you. We bless you because you alone, you are God. We thank you, O God, because in your mercy, Lord, you have counted us worthy to be among those that will come before your throne of grace tonight to worship. We ask that you receive us and receive our worship tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, we know that whenever we come before you, you have not asked us to come in vain. But it's that you, our God, may have value and virtue unto us. And that we might be blessed and be blessed indeed. Lord, we pray that tonight, every of our expectation will not be cut off in Jesus' name. But Lord, because we have come, we ask, O God, that you will do us good in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, O God, that tonight, you will take total control. You will have your way and you will deliver your truth unto us again and give unto us, Lord, a receptive heart that all that we will do, all that we will hear, all that you will speak to us, you will give us grace to do in the mighty name of Jesus. At the end of it all, Lord, we will be careful to return all the glory to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. We give you glory. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. God bless you. I'm so delighted to have us here today. And it's a demonstration of our faith in the Son of the Living God. It's our demonstration in the, in the faith that we profess, that we know that when we come into His presence, we have come to renew strength. We have come to receive grace. We have come to the one who is able to deliver and to do all that he has promised concerning us. And we pray that in the name that is above every other name, even as you have declared, we will leave his presence fulfilled and blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to welcome all our online worshippers. We believe that the same grace that we are encountering here in, in his presence is intended unto you as well in the name of the Lord Jesus. Tonight we are going to continue our Bible study concerning the family life and Christian marriage. And it's so apt that we have this topic because this happened to be the family week in the Redeemed Christian Church of God worldwide. And we are just tagging along with them. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it, it's so good that we are aligning with the mother church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Last week, 
our teacher did a great job introducing us to what the family is about. As far as God, the author of the home and the family thought is. He did a great job not only in expositing to us the mind of God concerning Christian marriage, but he, did, he backed it up as well with statistics. You know, they tell us that it's only a fool that argue against evidence that is proven. And those things are just to bring home the study so that we will not just go home and take it, I mean, with levity that, oh, maybe what they are saying is not even related to me. So tonight, we are going to extend it further by talking about parenting. Parenting the Christian or if you like it, you may say the Bible way. You know, we all are product of parents from where we came from, from our different homes. And we went through different tutoring, different grooming to be who we have turned out to be. You know, but we want to look at it in consonance with where we find ourselves right now and where we are living so that we can have a better perspective of what parenting is about and do a self-evaluation of how are we doing it. Are we aligning with the mind of God or are we just going about it in a lackadaisical manner as if it's just one of those things. God doesn't want us to take it as one of those things because the God that we serve is a God that does not joke. Everything he does, is with, he has a plan and a purpose for them. And I want to believe that as we listen tonight, the Spirit of God himself will open our eyes of understanding to see and to understand that we have been given a, a, a special task from God. He has assigned us as mentor, as um, keeper over these children that he has given unto us. And he expects us to deliver it back to him better than we receive of him. Praise the Lord. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I want to start by rolling out the statistics as well so that we can have a better understanding and perspective of the environment that we are in. You know, most people feel that, well, uh, this thing is not applicable to me, probably because oh, I come from another clime and I have a better understanding of what parenting is all about. But now we find ourselves in a different environment where statistics shows us that as of 2016, that 76% of immigrants in this nation called Canada, and particularly in Toronto, you know, are parents, that is most of us that are here, majority of youth that are involved in some misdemeanors and crime, we are from this immigrant um, background. And since 76% of them are probably first generation immigrant, or probably their parents have been here earlier and they are second generation immigrant. But they are in the majority of the youth that are found to be wayward and to be involved in infractions. 
I pray our own children will not be part of such statistics in Jesus' name. And when we look at the thing that we have some slide upstairs, I hope they, they will be able to help us put it on so that we can all go along with me, so that I can flow along with the study. Now, we are particular about children because we are talking about parenting. You know, if you look at what is happening, why this is happening, it's a function of the homes that these children came from. And like our teacher told us last week, a lot of people, when they come to a foreign land, they become laid back. They become something else. They will try to conform. They forgot the virtue and the training that they themselves have received. And they just want to flow with the, with the trend that they find themselves in. I hope that we will learn from this. And we will see that if some 6%, because when I was trying to put up this study, I asked myself, before the immigrant came, there were people in this land, right? And there were people living here. They have a, their own culture. They have their own way of training and bringing up their own children. Now, how come that the immigrant children are now even surpassing those that are the indigenous in infraction? You would think that the, the reverse should be the case. But from what this study shows, shows that the immigrant children are worse off than the indigenous that they met on ground. Praise the Lord. Now, what are the kind of crime that these children are involved in? You know? Now, they, they, they try as much as possible to break it down into different years. You know, in the early years, as far back as 2000 and 2001, early part of those 2000s, you know, things were high in terms of the rate of infraction that are noticed among these youths, okay? But towards, telling down towards 2010, it started coming down a little. And interestingly, I found out that this particular province where we found ourselves, as at 2010 that we, this study was carried out, was number three in terms of the rate of crime in Canada, the whole of Canada. So Saskatchewan was number three. But as of 2016 to 2020, they said Saskatchewan is the topmost in terms of the crime rate in Canada. And you may not believe it, Regina happened to be the third city in terms of crime rate in Canada. When I look at these statistics, it's scary. But you see, to most of us who have been cocooned in church, you may believe that, oh, this thing cannot be true. Probably because you have not experienced it. I pray you will not experience it in Jesus' name. Amen. But these are real. These are things that they've taken time to look at the reports of the police in different cities and the statistics. And they came up with this. And they told us that Regina and Saskatoon are the highest, I mean the third, in terms of the cities that are affected, while Prince Albert happens to be the sixth 
in terms of the cities in the province that have this high rate of youth infraction and crime. And what are some of these crimes? Talk about theft, talk about breaking and, en break and entering into people's house and properties, assault, mischiefs, failure to comply with others, assaults that are major, that leads to fatal fatality, you know. These are some of the things that were found out. I try to compare this with what happens in North America, because if, if we, I mean, some of us, because we are here, you, you, I mean, the closest neighbor is uh, the United States just close by. And you see, the stats are quite similar. They are not so far-fetched from each other, you know. Out of, and in the, in the one that they did in the US, they went from as far back as 1970 to the 2000. And they found out that the suicide rate among youth is on the highest. They also found out that murder cases, well, maybe here we may not be having that much of that in Canada, but among youth, it is quite alarming, okay? And these are youths that are law, common law breakers. They don't conform to rules and regulation. They break curfew, they break their, their vandals, and they carry weapons. In, in Europe, in the UK, for example, the youths are highest among those that are involved in knife fights. And they, they hurt each other. They, in fact, if you have been reading the news recently and going over it, we have many Nigerians youth that were killed. I'm talking of youths in, because they have courts among them in their teens, and they have interrival fight, and they knife each other, and they die. Many of these murders have not even been resolved, you know, and it's so obvious that the youth are much involved. I want to talk about this youth. We're talking of people between in their, in their teenage up to the early 30s, up to the early 30s. These are the ones that are involved. Now, I took my time to look at if it is gender-based in terms of this recalcitrant truth that we are talking about. But it, will, it may interest you to know that it is not gender-based. As much as we have males, we have it among the female as well. You would think, okay, maybe among the female there won't be much. But when, when we look at this uh, statistic from 1991 to 1997, the female proportion of arrests of those under 18 was quite high. And you think it's just boys, you know, they'll say boys will always be boys, right? So you think it's just boys that you need to worry about. But from this study, we found out that it is not just about the boys or the girls. It's about youth in general. And the kind of attention and the kind of training that we impute into youths. Now, the, the reason why we are taking time to go over these stats is just so that you and I can bring it down home. You know, in my native language where I came from, they will say, it's always easy when you see a mad man on the street, say, oh, look at that mad man, right? You may even laugh. He's even naked. See how dirty he looks. But believe you me, if that madman happened to be a relation of yours, 
to be a different kettle of fish entirely. You wish nobody sees him. You wish that shame has been kept inside, that he's not making a fool of himself all over the, the, the community. You know? So we are rolling this out so that we'll be able to identify and relate to this, that these are realities that happens around us. They are not things that are just far-fetched or somebody is just talking from a distance. But these are things of the reality of the environment that we live. These youths are involved in serious school fights. They assault each other and they are into drugs as well. And all these are documented by the government of the day so that we know. So we, are, we cannot say we, we are not aware of youths not being conformed to the law of the land. Now, as Christian, how does this affect me? How does this affect you? What is God's expectation from you and I? Now, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, we've talked about facts, the reality of things, but what are we to do as Christians? The Bible tells us in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Now, the reason why I'm quoting this scripture is for you to know that we are different. Why? Because we are Christian. And we have a better understanding of what these children are to us. These children are a seed given to us by the Almighty God. And he gave us a reason why he gave these children to us in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. And what is that reason? He expects you and I to raise back to him godly seed. That is why he gave us these children. And you cannot, from the statistical results rolled out, you can see that you can't say these children that are lawbreakers, these children that are part of these statistics are godly seed. Because if you say godly seed, we're talking of seed that bear the resemblance of our God, the God that we profess, the God that we confess. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 7, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, it says, and this word which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently <coughs> sorry, unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sitteth in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now, God is asking you and I, first, to know him ourselves through the word. To know what his mind is and what his purpose for our creation is. And when we do this, we can now be able to share and to promote that which we know also to our own children. He didn't give us, he wasn't admonishing us. He was not counseling us. He was commanding us. He said, 
that we are supposed to teach these children what we know about this God that we serve. And in Psalm 127, verse 3, the Bible makes us understand that these children, they are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his result. So you see, one, from these scriptures I have read, we find out first and foremost that the one that gives children is the almighty God. And he gave it to us so that you and I can raise godly seed back to him. That is the purpose of why he, raised, he gave us those children. And he has told us how to raise this godly seed. How? By teaching them his precept. By telling them about this God that we have come to know personally. Which means if you don't know him, unfortunately you might not have anything to offer your children. So you need to know them Person, you need to know God personally for yourself. And it is out of the abundance of that which you know that you will teach. Praise the Lord. Also, he wants us to understand that these children, everybody will keep saying, my son, my daughter, my child, my child, are not yours. You are just keepers over them. They belong to him. They are God's children. And he has just placed us as watchmen over these ones. So, they belong to him and he has given them to us as a seed, as a fruit, to complete and cause our joy to be full. But we have a responsibility to return them back to him, a godly seed. Praise the Lord. Now, I said that the family or the Christian home is a microcosm of the church. What do I mean? You know, the church is a body, the body of Christ. And it comprises of individual families that are members of that church. So, my family, your family, their family, coming together is the church. So, if my family is misbehaving out there. It means the church is behaving, misbehaving out there. If my son is not following in my precept, you will wonder if truly is a member of the church. Because a fruit will always bear its kind, right? A fruit is supposed to bear its kind. So if a fruit is not bearing its kind, then something is wrong somewhere. And that is what we are trying to figure out tonight. That why will our children not resemble us? Why will our children not? Because, see, we keep talking about the future of the church. The future of the church is glorious because we are becuting to the coming generation, the faith of our forefathers, what we receive. So what makes the, glory, I mean the, the church to be glorious going forward is the quality of what we deliver to the generation coming behind. So if our faith that we profess is not what we live, I remember the preacher that came the last time, Dr. I've forgotten his name now, 
He said, if you know nothing, right? And you pass on to your children nothing. He said, what would your children know? Less than, bless you. Thank you. My, my sister is here and she still remember. Less than nothing. So what will make our future glorious is that we know something and we are passing to them something that they are going to build on that will be greater than whatever you and I know now. And that is what guarantees the future of the church. So the Bible admonishes us to train up these children. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, when the Bible tells us to train them up, and when they grow up, they will not depart from it. What is the scripture expressly telling us? You know, the Yoruba will say, a child who has seen the old um, recipe of his mother's clothes will not make a mistake when he goes to buy the same kind of clothes because he has seen the recipe as in a sample of that clothing. So if you and I are living the Christian doctrine that we profess, these children see it, they learn from it, they grow from it, and they are established in it. That's what the scripture is telling us. So, my responsibility, your responsibility, is to ensure the training of these children. And this training that we are talking about is something that we mean is something that you and I are intentional about. It's not something you leave to chance. Oh, don't worry. By and by, they will understand. For example, you come to church and you leave your children behind. Or you want to pray and you, maybe you and your spouse go to one room and you are praying alone and leave the children out of it because they're still young. They don't understand. That's not being intentional. That is leaving it to chance. That is trusting that by and by they will notice the way I live my life and they will just, you know, flow with it. But that's not what the Bible is telling you and I. He said, train. It's a command. He said, as in, be intentional about it. Be consistent about it. Have it at the back of your mind that this is what I want to achieve in the life of this child. And then pursue it. It says, the end of the diligent shall bear rule. Meaning, if you are diligent in that role, if you are committed to it, if you are sure you are doing it, like they say now, scientifically, following the precept of the scripture, then you are sure that the outcome will be what you expect. And when we're talking about training up our children and being intentional about it, we mean starting early enough. You know, I come from the medical background to an extent, and I know that the child's brain is fully formed, as in fully formed, by age three. By age three, a child's brain is fully formed. The neuron doesn't grow anymore. And that is a plain slate. So for those who believe that a, a child at three years will know nothing, you might be mistaken. Because I've seen a child talking as early as I think she was two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. This was a child that grew up with her mom, and they are both, she's a, I mean, a full-time housewife, as at that time. 
And she had no companion. The husband go to work in the morning and leave this child with her and just two of them. And she'll be singing and talking to this child as she's talking to an adult. And this child, you know, from my medical background, I also understand that the children get to know the mother and the father's voice right from the womb because they hear them. Amazing, right? But that is the truth. These children can recognize their parents from the womb because they can hear them. I've heard of a father, whenever he comes back from work and the wife is pregnant, and he comes in and lays his hand on the wife's tummy to pray on the child. This child will kick because he could hear his father's voice. It happens consistently. So it was, you know it was deliberate. The child could recognize when the father is back, even from the womb. Anyway, back to my story. This lady will be talking to this child, singing together, talking as if they were. And amazingly, by age two and a half, this child was talking coherently. One day I was passing in front of their house, and I, I mean room, and I heard her talking. And I was wondering, well, who is this woman talking to? There's nobody in the house. So I knocked. I said, is everything okay? I said, yes. I said, who are you talking to? And he brought the little girl out and said, I'm talking to my daughter. And she was talking. I was amazed. That was my first experience. So I knew it's possible for you, depending on the way you are intentional about it, to form them. You know, the brain at three is just like a plain slate. It depends on what you write on it. So if you start introducing them to the word of God from three years, believe you me, it will register. So three years is not too early for you to let them know about the God that you serve. And we see an example of the parent of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 51 to 52, that while they were going to worship in, the, in Nazareth, they took him along. He was still young, but they didn't leave him behind and say, oh, he's just a child. He wouldn't understand what we are going to do. The ritual, he would not be able to flow. But they took him along because they were intentional to introduce him early enough to his destiny. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. Say, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. See, so there was a learning. There was a training. Timothy did not just become who he was, the prodigy of Paul. But he learned from his grandmother and who had learned from Paul. And over time, he was able to follow through on those things that he has learned. Now, we have introduced ourselves to what parenting is about, what God expects, and the children as part of the family of a child of God, Christian home. I want us to see from the Bible some of the heroes that the patriarch of the past made concerning their children and that came back to roost and to hunt them so that we can learn and we can try to avoid such mistakes in our own parenting ability. We learn of Noah in Genesis chapter 9 verse 
20 downwards. Noah was someone that experienced great grace. At a time when God came and destroyed the whole earth, he and his family were the only one exempted from the deluge. They did not die. They escaped it. But when, after they came out of that flooding, maybe out of joy, maybe out of um, celebration, he got carried away and he was drunken. He, he got drunk because he planted vineyard after the whole thing and he got drunk and after getting drunk, he lied down naked in his garden and one of his sons saw him and because probably he was not taught to know how to have respect for his father. He did nothing but mock him and even called his brother to come and see their father's nakedness. And at the end of it all, he ended up even adding costs on that child. The other one came, Ham and Japheth came and covered him up, but Canaan got cursed by Noah because of his delinquent behavior. Now, who will you want to blame, if I may ask? The child or the father? Do you believe that if you had taught him right, that would have been his behavior? Or would he have realized that, oh, my dad made a mistake. This is not what I was taught how to live. And would have probably done the right thing before calling his brother. It's a question. Who, who do you think the blame should fall upon? The child or his dad? Sir? The child. Pastor said the child. Do we, if you all agree with Pastor, can we raise up our hands by showing of hands? If you believe it's the child. If you believe it's the parent's fault. You can put down your hand if you raise up your hand for the child. But if you believe it's the parent's fault, do you want to raise up your hand? How many of us believe it's the parent's child? Only one hand. Okay, three hands. <laughs> Both ways. Okay. Well, the Bible was not clear on who to, which doorstep we should drop the, the blame. But I want to believe that the child is to blame. You wonder why. Because the other two saw him and they did not do the same thing he did. So he must have been taught right by choose to do his own thing. If the other ones have done the same thing, then I will say, ah, yes, the parents did not teach him well. Going forward, let's look at the account of Lot. Lot and his daughters. Genesis chapter 19 from verse 36 downward. Genesis 19 verse 36 forward. Now we see in Genesis chapter 19 verse 36, after Lot escaped from... Sodom and Gomorrah with his daughters, having lost the wife, become a pillar of salt. The wives, I mean, the daughters felt, well, we are just alone with our dad. 
we don't have any other male around here, and we need to procreate. So, since we don't have any other male close by, let's use our dad. First, they got him drunk, and after getting him drunk, they, in turn, slept with him to have children through him. So, we have Ammon and the Moabite coming out from that relationship. The question is, in this case now, who do we blame? The parent, the children, or neither, or both? If you, if you choose the children, I want you to raise up your hand as well. If you choose one, two, okay, two. If you think it's the parent, oh, three, okay, four. Okay, if you think it's the, it's the, you can put out your hand. If you think it's the parent or the father, can you show by raising hand? Okay, can you give them the mic? I want you to explain to us why you think your choice, why you think it's the father or why you think it's the, it's the daughters. Pastor will talk for the uh, daughters because pastor choose the daughters. Yeah. Uh, well, my belief is that the daughters were the ones that allowed the devilish thought to be sold into them. The, these two girls were virgins because uh, Lot, uh, Lot mentioned it when the angel came and they were about to destroy exactly. her. So they must have learned the ways of the heathens. They, they were really virgins, but they were truly not virgin in their heart. Their heart was so corrupt. For a child to have had that kind of thought and sold it to the other one and bought it, it means they, they didn't have values of the, the family values. They seem not to have it. Thank you so much, sir. Who, who will speak on behalf of the parent? I think, yeah. I was going to say that um, they probably learned um, this from um, where they were living, the environment they were living in, and it was the parents that took them there. <laughs> okay, that's a valid point. Yeah, I think we have, a, I mean, we have some other contribution. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Well, for me, I think it's the father that is to blame. The father, okay. If he was not a drunk or an alcoholic, the daughters were bringing wine and he was taking it. He would say, why do you want to get me drunk? He would have suspected because he's assumed that the father is wise. Okay. So he should have assumed that, why, why are these kids giving me wine like this? Fine, we know he had just lost his wife. His heart was broken, but at the same time, he should have thought of what's happening. Why are they getting me drunk? Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Any other contribution? Yeah, one more. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Again, talking about being intentional, I want to believe that from the example we saw of um, Lot's wife, she was a worldly person. Obviously, she probably wasn't even you know, intentional about raising up those girls. Look, um, virginity those days was a trend. It wasn't something that uh, you do out of them um, because you are um, righteous or whatever. It was the order of the day. Most of them were virgin. So it is possible that Lot's wife was not intentional in raising up those girls, telling them what is to be 
the way they are to behave, the way you are to carry yourself as ladies. And obviously, the place they were living would also have contributed. Their mother doesn't have the time. I don't know if Lot has the time, but I'm sure the prayer of Abraham saved Lot, right? And so, because of what was even in her mind, you would say that when they were given that instruction, her mind was still in Sodom. Her mind was still in Gomorrah. So she was still looking at the worldliness that she left there. So obviously, she never gave them the training that they were supposed to have. Thank you, Ma. Thank you, everyone, for your contribution. Do you have any contribution from online? Yes, that's, that's what I want to read. Of a you go. Okay. So our sister Janet Toyola misses the child. Um, later on, she changed her mind. Either way, <laughs> the children may learn this from their mom because their mom loved the world, just as uh, her sister said now. That was why she looked back and turned into a pillow of sorts. So. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am for that contribution. Praise the Lord. You know, um, if you look at it, I, be, I believe personally that um, the children, okay, learned the right thing from their parent, especially their dad, who has learned from Abraham, but they, are, they allowed their environment to influence them. That is one. And also, I don't quite agree that virginity is a trend in that, in that time, because, I mean, Yes, they will try as much as well to protect them, but the children have to be intentional to want to maintain their virginity. We learn of the story of the sister of Judah who went around mingling and working in the, in the environment, in the community, and eventually she got defiled, and that led to a lot of chaos. Anyway, so it, they have to be intentional about it. Now, the truth is that they know the right thing to do. If they do not know, they will not want to Lord their dad into drinking wine. They know that ordinarily, if they had brushed it up, it would, have been, it would have been a no story. So it's like they choose to go the other route because they are not, they, they got this, the, the, the right training, but they did not accept it. They did not accept it. They choose, I think, yeah, Pastor Femi want to say something. Praise yes, sir. The, praise the Lord. Hallelujah assign blames to both parties. Uh, and the reason is this. Um, <laughs> Pastor, I to want to talk after you. Um, the way we are portraying... Yeah, because I saw you thumbing up, right? <laughs> so he has a con the way we are portraying contribution. Lord, yes, sir. It's as if um, Lord is actually, uh, or he was actually a good person. The Bible did not say so. Because even when he was supposed to choose, when his uncle told him, he chose before his uncle. <laughs> That was not a good, that was not a good, that was not a good thing. That's number one. Number two, there is an adage where I come from. When you see a cripple carrying a load, and then you are now telling the cripple, why is your load tilted to one side? The cripple will tell you that you are looking at the top, you are not looking at the bottom. The, what we are discussing today is a serious topic, is parenting. When a parent does not fulfill his duties, that's when we start saying this. And it's not just Noah, it's not just Lot. We can see the pattern all across. You said something a couple of minutes ago, that parents are custodian of this seed and they will be held accountable 
by God. Why did Lot decided to allow his daughter to get him drunk? Was he sleeping when they were... <laughs> I mean, that's the question we need. Okay. Because the same thing happened to Noah. Thank you, sir. Why did they allow themselves to get drunk? Okay. Um, I think we'll, we will defer that so that we'll save time. We'll defer that for another topic for another day. Um, I have one more further to, to examine. I will look at First Samuel chapter 8, verse 1 to 22. We'll not read it. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1 to 22. He's talking about the sons of Samuel. Samuel is one of the greatest prophets in Israel. And he was very upright. He was a judge upright. In fact, he himself testified of himself in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 3. You can, you can displace that. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 3. He says, Behold, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose horse have I taken? Or whose house have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Of whose hand have I received any bribe to, to blind my eyes? Therewith, and I will restore it to you. That was his confession. That was his testimony at the end of his tenure as a judge in Israel. But in chapter 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8, that I referenced earlier, we saw that Samuel placed his children to, I mean, position of authority. You know, position of authority. And these children did not take after him. In fact, they were the opposite of all the virtue you just stated in 1 Samuel 12, 3. And because of that, the children of Israel came to Samuel and said, we want to have our own king. Sorry? Somebody is written, Braemaker? Yes, sir. No, rather, when you finish, I will ask a question. Oh, okay. I thought you were asking a question. All right. So, the question I want to ask, actually, I just want to introduce that to us, just like we have been doing. I will not go into Eli so that we will save time, because time is not really our, our friend. But I will have talked about Eli as well. But the question I'm asking is, who is at fault here? Is it the father, or is it the children? Yes, sir. Mine is a question. Okay. That thing that happened to Samuel. Yes, sir. I think it's still happening to date. So the question is, what is now, what's the main reason for that? He was okay, honest, sir. He was educated. All right, sir. Go to heaven, we we'll see him in heaven. But that thing that happened then is still happening to date. Okay, sir. Noted. Actually, we we'll answer that question, but not now. We are still going on in the study, and we'll talk about it later. I will remember. So, the question I ask is, who do we blame here? Is it the parent or the children? If you think he's a parent, Samuel, or his parenting skill, can you raise up your hand? Okay. If you think it's just the children that choose to be wayward, despite the good example of their father, can we see by showing hand? Only one hand. Two, three. So, for us that are not raising our hand, where do we stand? <laughs> None of the above. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
Okay, okay, praise the Lord. Actually, we saw another example. I brought Samuel up in this category to show us an upright father. But the next slide that will talk about the contemporary time that we live in will probably answer that question. See, in this contemporary time, because what we'll just mention concerning the scriptures here are not only peculiar to the times of the Bible, just like uh, um, pastors have mentioned, but we notice that even in contemporary times, we see serious men of God, men of God that are upright, but their children are not looking, are not taking after them. They are total opposite of what their parents stood for. And we have many examples of such. Such children are involved in divorce, drugs, heresies. You know, they come around and say they are renouncing the faith of their father. Some of them even started out in the church. See, so many, so many, I mean, um, artists that are musicians came from the church. They came from a very solid faith background. But along the line, they deviate and they renounce the faith of their father and they go their own different way. Recently, I was reading something on, on Facebook and somebody was saying that the prayer of the grandparents is what is keeping some of us in faith now. I was ruminating over that statement and I understand where that person is coming from. Going by the, some of the accounts of some of these men of faith that I've read, you know, remember their mother, their fathers, their grandparents praying, asking God to intervene on behalf of these children so that they will not be lost, you know. I mean, I was reading the account of uh, Billy Graham and Ruth and their children, you know. If you look at that account, most of the time, Billy Graham was sold to the things of the gospel. He was totally committed. He was, I mean, driven by passion for the zeal for the things of the kingdom. That he is hardly at home. And it was so obvious to the children that this man is... In fact, the, 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 the wife confessed that when the children see airplane flying, they say, oh, that is daddy going or coming, depending. And he can be gone, gone for months. And the wife did all she could to raise up these children in the fear of the Lord. She was fervent, she was committed, she was dedicated. And the account told us that some, on, on some occasion when this man of God come back home, he tried to make his presence felt. He tried to make up for those times that he's hardly around. They told us there was even a time the lady was pregnant and Billy Graham had a, um, a, a spiritual commitment. She took the wife, dumped her in the hospital, and off, she, off he went for his sermons and his crusade. And the wife felt hot. And on one occasion, he tried to discipline the child, one of his sons that was recalcitrant, 
And the, the, the guy looked at him and said, if you, if you care that much, why are you hardly around? And they said that was the last time he tried to discipline them. The, the wife is the one that does the discipline in the home because he's hardly available. He was preaching the right thing. He was doing the right thing. He was trying to get people into the kingdom, but he's hardly available for his own home. And little wonder that some of his children, in fact, the first daughter got divorced. I think twice, I'm not sure now. And when he first told the man that he's going, she's going to get divorced, they were, it was something that was, I mean, unheard of. He didn't see it coming. He did everything he could to try to encourage her to stick to the marriage, but they saw that the center just could not hold. So this parenting thing we're talking about, it's not just something that happened in the Bible, but we see it in our contemporary times. There was a story of um, John Piper and his son. You know, one of his sons got divorced, I think, some um, years back, maybe two or three years back, and he was devastated because he was committed to the things of the gospel as well. But the other one, the first son, who started out with his father as fervent in the Lord, came out to renounce the faith. And he's now going around on social media to, I mean, renounce his faith and to convert many out of the faith. In fact, they said he's so eloquent just like his father, but he's doing it in the opposite direction. Telling people why they should not believe in the gospel and why the gospel is doing more damage than good. Everything he has learned is now twisting and turning it around to lure more people to hell. So it shows that if it happens in the scripture, in the olden times, and we can see it in this present time, we know that this topic is a very serious thing that we need to take to heart. So we need to learn to adapt, to understand the time and season that we find ourselves and take it with all the seriousness that it requires. Talking about parenting as a child of God. Now, having said that, do you think, it's a question to all of us, that the church has a role to play in parenting? It's a question. And if you think that the church has a role to play when it comes to parenting, what role do you think the church has to play? Yes, contribution, please. Does the church ask anything, any impute when it comes to parenting? As in, well, I mean, it's my, it's my son, it's my daughter. But as a community, as a member of the church, does the church has a role to play? Any contribution? Or you want me to call people? Do you think the church has a role to play? No. Younger brothers first. Please, can you give, give him the mic? So if you think the church has a role, what role does the church has to play when it comes to... Um, the, the church definitely has a role to play, to play when it comes to child development because... Um, um, church is part of the community where the child belongs to. So every um, 
person that the tribe comes in contact with definitely has a role to, to play. Um, so the church has to provide an atmosphere, like a, um, a, a spiritual guidance to, you know, so when the child comes, the, the, the child will see the pastor preaching, will see worship being done. So those are the things that the child will look at and formulate, you know, a kind of pattern to develop his worship habits and, 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 and much more. Thank you so much. God bless you. Yeah, brother Sifala. Okay, so um, I think it starts with the parents. Um, there are a lot of parents that are, that are young that don't really know much and the church can help them to you know, learn some things, most especially from the people that are, you know, that, are, that are older in faith and knows what they are doing. They are able to you know, help the younger ones. Yeah, that's number one. Number two thing is that, um, like Bradley said, um, the environment that you, you bring your children to goes a long way to affecting who they are, what they do, and how they, they relate to things. Yes, we know that um, the, in the home, there is a lot of things that happens, but even how many, how often, how do we spend our, our, our life? For instance, we, we come to church on Sundays, we come to church on, on Wednesdays, there are programs we attend. All these things, our kids are seeing it, and they tend to follow after those steps. So in that scenario, it helps to shape their thought pattern, their way of life, and all that. Yeah, so that's fine. Thank you so much, sir. You've both answered well. Yeah, mommy want to say something. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think, yes, like what we are doing now, creating the awareness, telling people this church that is organizing this, so that people will be enlightened. We know, like the first slide you show, she said, I will pray here, that if this environment is like this, then we need to pray for our children. You understand? So church is creating awareness, giving us data and information that will help us in, in parenting. So that is that, I have a question. All right, ma'am. Uh, we talk about uh, Samuel and uh, Eli. I'll be wondering, where are their wives? The Bible is silent about the mother. What, what is happening, I don't know. Please maybe there is answer for that, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Does anybody want to answer mommy? It's... Oh, Pastor, is that Pastor will answer mommy? Sir, do you have an answer to mommy? Because the Bible actually was silent about their wives, and she, she was able to observe that and notice that. Well, um, we must understand that Bible also was written um, in dispensations. Um, for example, the dispensation we are now, okay, we are only in Canada, for example. If I say spell favor, you are going to probably tell me F-A-V-O-R. But if you spell that in Nigeria, that's zero, right? Where's the U? Uh -huh. 
So it's in dispensation. Somebody will see you now write favor in 20 years' time and say, ah, where is you here? It's because where you were at that time, that is what was practiced. There was a time that women were not mentioned. It's not like uh, they didn't have wives or the wives were not irrelevant, but that was the period that women were not mentioned. You will start seeing that they started mentioning women, except God wanted to do something like with Sarai or something. Otherwise, the women were silent, they focused on men. But when you now look at the book of Kings, for example, they will tell you their mother is this, their mother is that. Because, and the expression of King is that they marry many wives. So the king, the, the, the responsibility or the duty of the, of the training up of the child will pick up from the mother. They're always with their mother. So whatever you see a, king, a, a boy doing on the throne is not necessarily the father's because it's just with the business of the, you know, of the, of the country. But the mothers are the ones, I mean, the mothers are the ones that are shaping lives of destiny of children, and they keep mentioning the name of the mother. So if you say a king is wicked, go and see the mother. The mother is also wicked. Mm. So it was in dispensation. It's not like the women were not there, but it's just like the, what was invoked at that time. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah. Pastor, you want to say something? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Concerning the role of the church, I think I just want to chip in one or two things. I think it's the responsibility of the church too to teach sound doctrine. Because there are some churches that teaches heresies. When sound doctrines are not taught, mm. the fear of God are not taught, they are not being brought to the knowledge of our children. Mm. That means the society is going to be in anarchy. Definitely. So it is the responsibility of the church to teach, not only teach, but teach our children sound doctrine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, sir. Yes, Brokendi. Thank you, sir. Now, aside all those that we have mentioned, I also believe that uh, we should pray for our children constantly. You know, uh, I was listening to Apostle Selma the time and he said as fathers sometimes you go to your child's room and you are speaking in tongues over their destiny you know because uh, the the statistics that you brought out initially <clears throat> is saddening and you know going by Brownica's contribution as well that is trending it should be a thing of concern because in as much as we are doing all we can there's also a spiritual and demonic. You know, when somebody explained the part where the Bible says that no weapon fashioned against me, no weapon formed against me, the, the enemy will form the weapon with respect to the child. He knows the kind of weapon that we use to destroy all your efforts. Because I've seen very good parents that have terrible children, parents that we are doing all their best for the child. And the child still come out to be extremely terrible. You know, however, I also believe in this statistic there are also good children in Canada. There are you know people, children, you know, that within the age of 15, 16, they are already CEO of companies. You get what I'm saying? So why I'm saying this is this. My father, while growing up, he was he, there's a there's a one of our family friends, 
the, the, the man is now the technical director in, in Qatar. He used to tell us that Kenny Taiwo, please always be like this guy. And he was always motivating us. See, Kunle, he has graduated. See, Kunle, he is already with Tota. See, Kunle, he's already in Canada. You can do this. You can do that. Those kind of things also motivate children and already they are forming a mindset and a mentality about life. Because children learn easily. They catch up easily than even we adults. Thank you so much for that contribution. Just to buttress what Pastor already explained about the whereabouts of the um, wives, I'll just refer us to Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1. It talks about the words of King's name well, the prophecy that his mother taught him. You see, most of the time, this Bible is silent about the wives, but they are there. They are there supporting the husband and helping in the training of the children. But because they are not in the forefront, because they are not always uh, the one, uh, the judge or the king, you know, they said the word of King Lemuel. What his mother taught him. They didn't mention the mother, name of the mother. But the mother was silently walking, doing something. And that thing the mother taught him, he remembered. And he's able to tell us that this thing you are, I'm saying now, my mother taught me. You know? So the mother's role is very, is very key in training up the children. And like I, like I said, when we're talking about the role of the church, we have all answered very well. The truth is that in... Deuteronomy chapter 22, Deuteronomy 22, verse 1 down. It talks about, it talks about being your brother's keeper. You know, we don't want to be like, we don't want to be like um, Esau. Esau was answering God in Genesis, that was Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Why should I, why should you be asking me about Abel? You know, I'm not his keeper now. He knows how to take care of himself, you know. But we as a church, we have a role to play. What is our role? Our role, like my brothers have already answered, is one, teaching the right doctrine, the right precept of the word of God concerning what he expects of us as his children. Two, in marriage counseling, for example, you tell the intending couple, what it means to be a married couple in the church as a child of God and what God's expectation of the home is about. That is the role of the church. The church is also to ensure that the truth is preached at all times so that we know that we have no excuse because he has given unto us all that pertain to life and to godliness, you know, and to expose the truth to every one of us and to see that every child, every family is an inherent member and a representative or disciple of the church outside there. So the church is supposed to ensure that everyone give a good account of what the church stood for out there. So we cannot afford to take our role with levity or feel that we are unconcerned. Oh, this is child. I remember back home when we were growing up, they said one person will give birth, two people will give birth to a child, but 200 people will help to train that child in the community. So I wouldn't go outside there now and see 
I mean, the son of my brother misbehaving. And I'll say, well, I'm concerned. It's his son. You know? But, it's, you know, the funny thing is that we are living in a dynamic world. We are, people have duplicity of image. They come to church, they, they act piously, they say the right language. And the next moment you see them among miscreants. Or you see them where they are not supposed to be. If you, don't, if you fail to bring it to the attention of the parent, or even address that child if it's in the church, then you are failing as a member of that church. I remember a couple of times I've been downstairs to take the children class, and I see some children misbehave, and I'll tell them, no, you don't do this. This is, you're a child of God. I don't know whose parent they may be because I don't know most of them. I hardly go there. But I will address it. I will not just gloss over it. Several times, they've forgotten that in church and they are talking and they are talking even over you. Some of them see you and they won't even say hello or greet you. They will have passed me and I'll call and say, can't you even say hello? You don't even know me. You know? That is part of my responsibility as a, as a member of the church. So the child knows that, oh, so I did wrong by passing an elder and not saying hello. You know? So as a church, we are each other's brother's keeper. We look out for each other. And that's how we express our love to each other. By telling each other the truth in love. And helping to bring to our attention those things that we know are not right. Praise the Lord. Now, having said that, I just want to quickly rush over this because time is fast spent. Some practical aspects I think we should take note of when we are talking about because these are things that we need to be cognizant about when it talks of, in terms of the kind of parenting skill that we need to have in a time like this. Talked about safeguarding the mind of the children. You know, we are living in a society where virtually 100% of youth between the ages of um, 15 and 30 are already conversant with the mobile apps and internet. And they are surfing the net and they are doing so many things on the net and you don't even have an idea. You have already told them the right thing but they go online, they mix with their, their, I mean, their friends and their uh, schoolmates who tell them something contrary, okay? And sometimes, you see, children easily get influenced by their peers because they don't want to be the odd man out. I was telling my wife this evening before I came to, to, to the church how proud I was when my, wife, I mean, my daughter was telling me this afternoon that, oh, they were discussing something about therapy in school, and I told them, well, Thank God I have my, my dad and my mom, they are my therapists. I said, wow. So which means she finds it easy to come to us and talk about stuff that are contrary to what she has had from home. Whereas some people say, oh, really? Therapy? Where did you get it from? Give me the connection, let me get involved. She was telling me, oh, even our teacher has gone to therapy. I said, oh, okay. See, so if their teacher has gone to therapy, of course, what was, this year was okay for them to go for therapy. And for, I remember when we were in Calgary, they were telling my wife, I wasn't here then, I was still going and coming, that my son needed, I mean, to see a therapy. I said, what, what for, why? Because apparently they were intimidated by his pedigree. At a point in time, the, the teacher told my wife, said, this one is scarily too brilliant. A teacher talking about a student that is just a baby, you know? And then before you know it, they were always picking on him because he's talking about Jesus and talking about his faith. And they, 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 they went behind us 
to be reporting and filing stupid, I mean, uh, report about him to the board. That at the end of the day, they went and organized a, a session for him without us knowing. So my wife just went there one day and we found out, said, what? How dare you? If you have issues with my son, then I should be the first contact. And then the therapist said, oh, so you didn't know? Said, we didn't know. Said, we should take it up. That was why when we came here, I was so intentional about not allowing my children to go to public school. Because over there, they don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about your faith. They ask you, it's like you're putting it in our face, just keep it, keep short, zip it up. You know, so sometimes you have to be intentional about this, you know. And if you're not careful, they'll turn those children to what they are not. So what should we do as a child of God? We should try as much as possible to monitor their social media as much as we can. Let's be friendly with our children. Let's know what is happening to them. Let's talk to them as much as possible. And let's try to be their friend. That way, you get to know those, I mean, feeders that they're getting from outside that is contrary to what you believe. And you can help, you'll be able to quickly nip it in the board before it becomes an issue. Also, when we talk about the social media, I want to monitor what they watch and what they are exposed to on videos, on the internet. Okay? You want to, you want to know what kind of site are they visiting? What are they, I mean, uh, reading up? And what kind of uh, indoctrination are they being exposed to? And want to try and correct it. My daughter will come and ask any question. She knows she can ask any question. She will ask you anything. And sometimes some of those things may not look... I thought you should know better. Don't say that. Don't try to push them off. Let, allow them to ask you what even looks so stupid. And be patient to explain. That way, you, you win their confidence. You win their trust. Then they can easily approach you about stuff that you'll be amazed what they know. I'm telling you, they, they are exposed to so much stuff out there that even in a Christian school, so, so at least she can come back and say, oh, do you know that this person was rude to her teacher? I said, really? How, how rude? You know, allow her to talk. So she knows that you're supposed to comply with rules because those rules are put in place for your good. And you don't have to rebel against rules. Except when it runs contrary to your faith. But she sees her mate being rebellious, and she can identify it. That way, she knows that that is not the way to go. So, we need to be friendly with them. We need to monitor what they are watching, what they are doing, and we cannot do without it. You want to be able to keep in contact touch with your children. Yes, they will need to have their own mobile device so that you can be able to keep tab. But there are ways of monitoring what they do online so that you can know when they are going out of the way. Also, we want to help to protect their spirit. First, I talk about monitoring the social media and protect, safeguarding their mind. The next thing is to make sure that we protect their spirit. How? Through devotion, morning devotion in the, in, the, in the home, exposing them to the word of God, allowing them to understand the word even from their infancy. I remember when I was, when I do take the marriage counseling session, I tell my couple that your children should be taught the way of the Lord from age five to six. Don't wait till they are too. They, 
I've seen children become serious, committed children of God at age 10, 11. They are already standing in faith. They know what is right and wrong because they've been taught the scripture. In fact, they've covered the scripture from age 5 to 12. They know the whole scripture. So they know what is right and what is wrong. So they can be able to, you know, the point is that if you don't even know what is wrong, anything looks like it to you. But the word of God that you have heard, their spirit and their life, and those word of God changes people. It is not the counsel you gave. You can have, you can be eloquent. You can say so many things. But the word of God is alive. It makes the total difference. So exposing them to the word of God helps not just for them to learn the truth, but to regenerate their spirit man. And that is the key to forming their character and their self. If your spirit man is born again, if your spirit man is alive, then the, that spirit man can counteract anything that is contrary to what you stand for. Praise the Lord. And during night devotion, you, you don't want to just bore them by loading them with the scripture, but you want to hear their feedback as well. You want to use the opportunity to look for the appropriate devotional that they can relate to at their level based on their age. But the key thing is to start it early. Early enough that they are well grounded by the time they go out there and they meet with their peers. So they don't get easily distracted or influenced negatively. Also, when we talk about devotion, we are playing a role as children of God, as their parents. You are not telling them something you don't do. You are not telling them something that they know, they are sure, that is far from the character that you are painting. You tell your children that it is wrong to use foul language, but you are the first, when you are pissed off, to speak foul language from your mouth. It's so easy for you to just say it and you say, oh, I've seen people that say, oh, it's just, I don't mean it, they just say it like that, I say it with them. And the children learn from you, and they see it. So if daddy can say it, then it must be normal. It can be, I mean, there's no big deal. And maybe I even can excuse it. I was pissed off. I was angry. Like pastor was telling us on Sunday. Someone said, we are mad. They are angry. Yes, I can understand that. But madness is a different thing entirely. When you say you are mad, then you are confessing that you are, you are going bonkers. That's what this is. I remember when I was just born again, they taught us something. That's why I used to mention it several times. He said, whatsoever Adam called them, that name they bear. Some people say, oh, because in this nation, people talk about kids, 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 and they call their children kids as well. But from Nigeria, I know kids means the babies of goats. So if you keep calling your children kids, well, you may not know it. I was discussing this with my wife last week, and I said, well, it depends on the image that comes to your mind when you use those words. When you call the word kid to me, I remember goat. Honestly. Honestly. So I will not use that word. Even at the place of where maybe talk about their kids, I talk about my children. And they will think maybe you are conservative. But that's the truth. So I will not use my word to say what I don't want to see. But I want to see what I say. So we want to live by example. We want to show these children that those things we told them are things that we do ourselves. So they learn from us because we are the first Bible they read. 
Praise the Lord. Also, we want to make sure that we got them engaged positively. You know, unfortunately, we are in a situation where, unlike the Bible days, where the parents, I mean, the mothers are always a full-time housewife and they have more time for the children. But these days, both the wife and the, and the father, they are, they are working. They are busy. So it, it leaves little time for you to have with your children. You know, but like I said, we have to be intentional about it and we have to see it as a task, a commandment from the Lord. So you make time consciously for it. You create, out of no time, time for these children. And part of the way to do it is to get them positively engaged, be in sports or family activities. Create time to be intentional to be with them. Probably through dinner, lunch, go out together, field, get feedback, I mean feedbacks from them, and ask them about how their day were. And ask them what they learned throughout the day. That way you get to see the reality of the environment you are in and what your children are exposed to. And you know if you are doing it the right way or not. Our time is fast spent. I'll just round up by saying the reward for good Christian parenting is priceless. The reward is priceless. One, it ensures that these children are spiritually, emotionally well-grounded to face the world, to be allowed and launched out as arrows from the hand of a mighty man. Mm. The Bible tells us that if you are willing and obedient, in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 9, 19, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, so we eat the good of the land. So it means if you and I are willing and obedient to obey the Lord in imputing effort towards training our children, then we are going to reap the reward. Children are, they, they are, mighty, you know, through, if you are able to influence them positively, they become mighty children, great in the land, well established, and they make us proud. They are children that the church can say, oh, those are our products. Those are our children. Not just the parents now. You know, they used to say, when a child is bad, it becomes his parents only. Say, that's somebody's child. But if that child is doing great, so that's our product. It's He's a member of PPP. I'm not surprised. He came from our church. So, you see, the reward is priceless if you are ready to influence them and train them up in the way of the Lord. As I conclude, he says, finally, brethren, the most effective weapon to succeed at this task is prayer. I've told us so many things. We have learned the lesson of, I mean, the wisdom of the world, monitoring the social media, engaging them positively, I mean, devotional and all the rest. But the key factor that makes the decider, which my brother mentioned earlier, is prayer. Always pray, both for those that are obedient children and those that are a bit recalcitrant or, I mean, incorrigible for now. Commit them into the hand of the Lord. I've read testimonies of brethren that became giants in the Lord that did not start out like that. They were incorrigible. They were lost. But their parents 
invested so much time and refused to give up on them, praying, committing them into the hand of the Lord, committing their spirit into God's hand until the Lord draw them back by his spirit. And that, that prayer is very effective. So God is the ultimate parent. He has shown us the right example. If only we will imbibe that example and we will trust him, even with our own children and with the task he has committed into our hand, then he will help us to succeed even as Christian parents in the name of the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you have any questions. Our time is gone. But we have been encouraged to put our questions online. If by adventure you are not able to ask questions tonight, I want you to go, to go online, put your question, and next week by God's grace, we'll have time with our panelists to answer all questions that are to pertain to parenting and Christian family. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. I want us to bow down our heads and pray and commit our children to God and, and this task that God has committed to us and say, Father, thank you for making me a, a child of God. Thank you for that which you have committed into my hand as a parent. Lord, help me not to fail you in this task that you have committed into my hand. Help me to succeed at it. Help me to raise up godly seed for you. Help me, O oh God, as individual, as a family, as a member of a church community, that in this task I will not fail you. And that I will return unto you godly seed that will make your kingdom proud. That will return the right investment back to your kingdom in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, sir. I was uh, going to wrap up with that as well. Um, because we, as we did last week, we need to continue to pray for our family. Pray for our family because it is very important to understand, as Brother Kenny did mention a while ago, that you know, they are, we have also have demons to fight against. And uh, as our teacher taught us from the beginning, from Malachi chapter 2.15, God's intention always remember that is that we have a godly seed whereas devil always have a contradicting intention to whatever god wants so god wants a godly seed devil wants an ungodly seed and he's doing everything that is possible to make sure that the seeds are ungodly we read the story of samuel eli it was clearly stated did not lead his children in the will of the lord i know some of us thought samuel were was too busy with the work of God, and uh, so he didn't have time. And they used that to always preach to us. The pastors say, have time for your children, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, it's good. Some pastors do have time for their children, and still nothing happened. And some did not have time, and the Lord helped them. <laughs> you understand? So, but uh, the truth of the matter is this. Uh, there is one demon, I mean, one devil that we need to contend against. Now, all the statistics we have seen, yeah, you, you, when you go to some places in Saskatchewan, you'll be surprised at what kids are doing. You'll be really surprised. You'll be shocked to see the amount of uh, juvenile delinquencies and the delinquencies that is everywhere. But our prayers can go a long way. Amen. So please can we rise up one more time and I will encourage everyone online as well, all our worshippers, everyone worshipping online this night. Let's just pray that in the name of Jesus we will raise God's godly seed 
in this generation will raise godly seed in the name of jesus we will do all our due diligence as we have even learned tonight you know many things have been added and be suggested to us father give us grace as parents some parents when we come back home we're so tired that we even forget to do all these things some of us we are so weak and weary or some we have a lot of burden that is even you know overburdening us as well that we have no time for our children as we're supposed to let's pray that lord please empower me lord please strengthen us in the name of jesus as parents we will not fail you and so lord we pray empower also god as parent lord help us to do our due diligence in the name of jesus then also let us pray that no weapon that is fashioned against us shall prosper no weapon formed against our family shall prosper no answer of the evil one upon our children in the name of jesus christ every power that wants to that, that uh, uh, contaminate their destiny every power that wants to corrupt their heart let's pray against it tonight in the name of jesus the devil you will not have your hand in the lives of our children you will not influence them you will not have power over them we, we sow these ones for the lord we dedicate them unto the lord once again in this house tonight in the name of the lord jesus we dedicate them unto the lord in jesus mighty name we pray amen let's pray for parents as well you would agree with me that parenting could be very tough when some years ago when i just we just arrived in canada and i was still in school in saskatoon the news was everywhere about careful dollars i don't know many of us know pastor careful dollars he was almost going down why because he, he he ordered his daughter you are not going to a night party not in this house not in this house 2 a.m guys came around called the daughter in their house and they, they wanted they asked the girl to come out and join them and the man said over his dead body will you leave this house so parents sometimes they stand their ground do you know the sister the head the sister of that same girl the same daughters of the sister called police on their dad and police came and arrested the father Crefru dollars far <laughs> and it was a saturday night the church was in chaos on sunday news was everywhere telecast televangelists in prison televangelists are uh, 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 what they call this thing now harassed uh, the daughter or something uh, and so on and so forth and they put that man they arrested him for a while took him out and all of that he made his own statement i didn't do anything i didn't want to touch her but i just said she's not leaving this house and he stood at the door you're not leaving this house and is that uh, what they call uh, abuse sometimes training here people call it abuse these are languages of the devil I, they invited me one day to one of the social stuff in their police custody and said abuse. I said, you don't know the meaning of abuse. I'm training my child, you are calling it abuse. I said, as far as I'm concerned, the Bible says we should not withhold Cain from child. So I don't understand what you are teaching. And we're like, we're, we're warning you because uh, we are watching you. Keep watching me. I will, I will not allow you to destroy the life of my kids. Some parents are standing that ground, but you see people around and you see, the devil still want to make a mess of your message we're going to pray father empower parents grant parent wisdom to to handle these kids grandparent wisdom that will not will not i will not do evil against your name will not bring your name into disrepute but lord help us to handle these children help us to train some parents are crying every now and then on their children they, they have the heart to train them they want good for these children some parents if you say look forget canada just go back to your own country they are ready just to make the child live well but i tell you some children will still go wayward let's pray father grant grace to the parents as well help our parents help our parents grant them wisdom 
grant them understanding oh god on how to do these things perfectly well lord we cannot do it of our own this was samuel that that stood and have a very strong testimony in israel but the people came to him they said your children have chosen not to walk in your way it wasn't samuel's fault the children decided that they are not going the way of their father lord we pray help us oh god help your children help your help your help parents in this church help also god so that we'll be able to handle all these ones all these kids you have given us as custody lord we'll be able to handle them oh god to the glory of your name in the name of the lord jesus christ Father, we pray we don't want to bring your name into, 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 into mud. Father, we want to glorify your name with our life, with our family. Help our family in this church, oh God. Any family right now that is undergoing any parental issues or parenting issues, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you will please, oh God, grant them wisdom. You will grant them strength in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. For, sorry pardon us for tonight we just need to pray but this is the last prayer point let's now pray for the kids themselves let's seal up the heart of our children with prayer tonight in addition to the ones we have done prayer is not too much i strongly believe and thank god our teacher ran up with that prayer is the key prayer is the key after all is said and done there is no good parent anywhere but god i like that part said the example learn the example from the best parent and that is god let's pray father we ask these children are your heritage indeed we are just custodians lord protect the preserve the destiny of these ones this land is corrupt enough this this land is full of ungodliness but father let the destiny of our children be preserved in the name of jesus your desire is we raise godly seed lord help us to raise godly seed in this generation in the name of jesus christ seed that will be thirsty for the things of god seed that will desire god seed that will desire god some of us our parents were not in the line in the ways of god but god got us and we are in the ways of christ we were taught in church not at home not in not by any parent if we have if some of us will have followed some of our parents are i mean like a pattern we will have been worse you know worse today but i tell you god can preserve people with church can be an environment where parents destiny i mean children's destiny are shaping pray that god preserve the life of our kids in the name of jesus christ lord preserve the destiny of our children in the name of jesus father we pray that their heart oh lord will love you their heart will desire you in the name of jesus these children are yours they are not devils and so devil you can't have any influence over them we pray that our children will love the lord we pray that great great grace shall be their peace in the name of the lord jesus christ we pray that the joy of the lord will always flood their heart we pray that our children will not be given to things that corrupt these societies in the name of the lord jesus we pray that evil community oh god evil evil things that are going on in our community will not affect our children in jesus name father their heart is preserved their heart will desire you their heart will hate evil their heart will love the lord in jesus name we pray the same house or home we are somewhere at eight was raised to love the lord that same home where we are uh abil and nanda is that the name they were called ofni uh of of what's that again ofni and phineas thank you be another one the sons of um, uh, Aaron so Ophni and Phineas the same home 
they grew they, they were sleeping with women taking taking offering in the church burnt offering and destroying the, the reputation of their father but god found a boy the same home it's easy to point accusing finger on their parents today it's very very easy but just imagine a strange a stranger got into that home and he became the servant of the most high god except the lord build the house <laughs> you know that's how that psalm 127 started where it says pray children are the heritage of god except the lord build the house <laughs> no good parents anywhere i know how to do it sorry you do it for hey the same home be will turn out and be and surprise you and you just like ah, i don't know the same house am i not the same father or the same mother father will receive grace tonight by the reason of your word we receive grace tonight to train our children and lead them in the path of the lord and father we ask for grace upon these children that they will follow the path in the name of jesus as a church oh god will not fail in our duties as parents will not fail in our duties will not be guilty of these ones you have given to us in the mighty name of jesus and father we pray for every home that is needing more of these children let heaven bless them in jesus name father many more of these blessings in the name of jesus christ we thank you precious god thank you for your son you have used tonight thank you for the teaching we pray more grace of, of the lord upon him in jesus name and as we leave oh god today all that we have had grant us enablement to put into practice in jesus exalted name we pray amen shall we share the grace in fellowship the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the sweet fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forevermore amen and surely god's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the lord forever and ever amen god bless you all thank you so much for being part of it tonight please uh, let's drive carefully we thank god for those of us that are in here today please let's drive safely as we go back home and please as the teacher has told us put your question online go go online on that link that the technical uh, our media team has sent out next week is all questions we're going to deal with discussion and question we have the people that will be from the panel and it will be very interesting so you'll be part of this and we pray the lord bless you as your part in jesus name those of us who have registered for church integration uh, uh, program please let's be here on saturday by one o'clock god bless you have a beautiful night rest We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org.
You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at RCCGPPPSK, on Instagram and Twitter at RCCGPPP. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N, 1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.